Welcome to Becoming Magnetic, the podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Fersoli. I'm a client attraction specialist and business coach for online coaches, course creators, and service providers. I'm here to help you become magnetic by stepping into the most powerful and authentic version of yourself and mastering your marketing. On this podcast, we talk about women's empowerment, content marketing, sales psychology, and everything in between. It's time to become a magnet for your soulmate clients and live life on your own terms. You ready? Let's dive into today's episode. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Becoming Magnetic. I am here with Julie Tice. Super excited to chat with her and for you all to hear this conversation. I was actually a private client of Julie's for six months and what really drew me to Julie is that our stories are super similar. So you guys know that I grew up kind of like as the poor girl in a rich town. I lived in a super rich part of California, but my mom was single mom on a substitute teacher's salary. So I was always like made fun of and bullied for not having enough money, always kind of struggled growing up. And that is a big driving force in my business. And really the main reason that I desired decided to hire Julie was that I saw myself in her. Like I saw someone who was making six figures in her business, who had grown up, you know, honestly in an even worse situation than I had. And I knew that if she could do it, I could do it too. So I brought her onto the podcast today to kind of tell you her story and I will let her introduce herself instead of talking about her. So Julie, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So my name, like Juliana said, is Julie Tice and I work as a business coach and consumer psychology consultant. What I mainly do though is work with female entrepreneurs to help them grow and scale their business. My philosophy is all about combining business strategy with psychology mastery, which both of those parts are how I was able to transform my life, how I was able to get out of poverty and change my life trajectory, my income trajectory forever. So that is what I've gone on to use to help hundreds of other female entrepreneurs grow and scale their business. So I'm excited to be here and to hopefully give you guys some amazing golden nuggets that you can leave here if you're struggling, if you feel like you're in a spot where maybe you can't do it. My whole philosophy is really creating something from absolutely nothing and always showing my clients that no matter who you are, or where you come from, you can make your dreams come true. Yeah. So do you want to share your story a little bit? Because I feel like you have a really powerful story. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up just, I mean, right out of the gate, probably as bad as you could think of, um, you know, born into a house, the household that was filled with drugs and alcohol, extreme poverty, you know, the trailer parks and also eviction notices being kicked out, having to constantly move or having nowhere to go, having uh, just that instability, that chaos, a lot of screaming, fighting, physical, mental, sexual abuse. Um, that was pretty much my, my life from the age of when I was born up until I was finally able to, the day I turned 18, I put everything inside of my pickup and I drove up to our nearest college town and I told them that I wanted to go to school. Um, during school, I still didn't have money. They were able to enroll me. Um, I remember they were like, you need your parents here. And I had to say, I'm like, I don't know where they're at. Um, so it was 
it just so such up and down there was a lot of pain um but during school i was stealing books i was stealing food just trying to support myself four years later i graduated with highest honors with my degree in psychology um went on to work as behavioral specialist so that's really i when I got my taste of coaching and also learning how to, when you master your mind, you really can master your life. And that was the first piece of the psychology mastery that I now teach my clients. So I started my business, also at the same time started my master's in industrial organizational psychology. So that second side comes into the consumer psychology, marketing psychology, but that, that whole combination is how I, you know, was able to really change my life around, but it wasn't easy. A lot of it was struggle. A lot of it was pain. And even coming out of it, I was left with so much. You don't just come out of it and you're fine. You still have so many mindset blocks. You have so many self-worth issues of being told forever that you're just a trailer park girl, that you don't matter. When you're abused, you develop this complex of, I must not be worthy of anything. Otherwise, why would I be experiencing this? So it was a lot of, even once I left the, the abusive household and the poverty, I still had to overcome so much more. Uh, and that's what I really go on to teach my clients to do as well. Uh, what do you think was your driving force behind it? Because I know something for me was always like, like my mom was always supportive. So, you know, I had that on my side, but like society was not like, everything I heard from everyone around me, like teachers, students, like, you know, everyone I went to school with was always like, you're poor, you're never going to make anything of yourself. Like, you know, you're not going to be anyone important. Like, you know, I heard this from dance coaches, like everyone, it was always like, you're not good enough to do what you wanted to do. And for the longest time, like my driving force was really just like a fuck you mentality. And it still is like, it still is to an extent. Like it's very much this mentality of like, Mm -hmm. I want to prove them wrong. But I think, you know, I think all of us who come from that kind of a background have some of that, but what would you say is like your biggest driving force to get yourself out of that? Right. Well, I think you make a good point too, because I, that was one of the hardest mindset things to shift is when you have everyone telling you that you're not really worth anything to be able to switch out of that. So the switching the belief that I could ever become something else, I think was one of the hardest things of the journey, but the driving force really became, I remember there was a time I was kicked out of the house. So sleeping in my pickup without anywhere to go. I, you know, had school in a few hours and was going to have to go to school and pretend like so many nights before that nothing was wrong. And I remember sitting in that pickup. It was the middle of winter in Montana. There wasn't enough heat to, or I have enough gas to run the heat. And I was sitting there and I thought, like had this thought of maybe I can make my life better. And I broke down because I'm like, it's going to be so hard. Like, how am I ever going to overcome this? How am I ever going to leave the trailer park? How am I, I'm sleeping in my car. How could I ever create a life that's better than this. But in that moment, I also realized I'm like, but this is hard. It's hard sleeping in my car. It's hard having the stress of poverty. It's hard having this heavy feelings of depression and wanting to die and hard living how I'm living right now. And in that moment, I really found out that it's all going to be hard. It's going to be hard to try to choose to succeed and it's going to be hard staying where I'm at. So in that moment, in that moment forward, I decided to always pick my hard. And I knew that 
it wasn't ever going to be easier because it was also going to be hard waking up in 20 years realizing that I never accomplished any of my dreams and that I was going to be exactly like everyone else that I was surrounded by, um, that, you know, they were suffering and they were addicts, they were in pain. And so I really had to look at both sides and be like, yeah, it's going to be a pain in the ass to scale to a six figure business, to have huge dreams, to be self-employed, to help hundreds of other women. Maybe that was like, you know, my big dreamy starry dreams that night. Um, and I, it can seem like, and I'm sure so many people listening here, like, Oh, I don't know if I want to do that. It just, it's going to be too hard. There's going to be too many obstacles in the way, but the other choice is just as hard. And that's, I think what has always driven me is recognizing like, I'm either going to kill my, like, you know, kill myself on my way to my dreams from working so hard. Or if I don't hit my dreams, like I'm very well going to end up dead anyways. Yeah. And I think that's some of my favorite advice that you ever gave me. Like when we were working together is you have to pick your heart because I feel like there's so many people online who are like, oh, it just gets to be easy. And it's all like rainbows and unicorns and glitter and building a business is so easy. And like, it can be easy once you've put in the groundwork and once you've like done the shit to get yourself to that point. But I feel like a lot of people forget the hard work that it took to actually like get there. Like, right. And that's but, what I would say too. And I know I've said this to you about the power that you hold the power, you know, anyone else listening to this holds, if you've gone through something, there's lessons you can only learn at rock bottom. So if you've been at rock bottom, embrace that because there are people who, you know, if, if it's always kind of been easy, then doing something that requires effort, that is going to require that huge praise, that big dream life. If you just expect it to be how your normal life is, it can be really hard to instill that, that work, that work ethic, but also just that pain threshold that it can take to accomplish your dreams. So if you've been at rock bottom, you have a pain threshold of knowing what pain is. So I'd say, take that and put it towards working towards your dreams and scaling your dreams and know that it's, it's the same, it's the same coin, just different sides of it. Yeah, totally. And I think the biggest thing holding a lot of people back is just feeling like they can't do it. Like that for some reason it's not meant for them. And I feel like we're both big testimonies to the fact that like you can do it no matter what, like, yes, we're both smart and we're both good at psychology and strategy and all of that. But like, we didn't have anyone helping us along the way. Absolutely. And what I would say to anyone who is feeling that way too, is there doesn't have to be evidence for it to be true. So I remember looking at myself. I mean, I was skipping class. I was not going to school. I was drinking in school. I was just such a delinquent. And I say that wanting to know people because when I was in high school, I remember thinking, you know, that life of success is for these popular kids. It's for the ones who do sports. It's for the ones who come from good families. And so I told myself a lie for so long, but the reality is, is it's not correlated. There doesn't need to be evidence for your future success to exist. Because if you look at my story, if you look at your story as well, there was nothing that said that lined up that was like, this girl is going to have an empire. This girl is going to go on to help hundreds of other females grow their business and to have a better life and to have better mental and financial freedom. Like nothing said that everything said like this girl's going to end up in jail or she's going to, you know, if anything, maybe she'll get, 
a house where she's not always evicted out of. Now is pretty much the, the best projection, but it, it doesn't need to exist. None of it does. And I have to even remind myself of the results that I have now, because the results I have now are good. But I think about, you know, growing a multi-million dollar business of helping thousands and thousands of more women. And in that, it can feel like, oh, but, but I'm just me. And I just live in this, you know, my apartment and I just have a six figure business, but I have to remember that the evidence didn't have to exist when I was at rock bottom. It doesn't have to exist where I'm at now for the bigger dreams that are to come. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think like, (laughs) yeah, just like thinking about my own stories and my own mindset. I think that I always, like, I always knew I'd go to college and get a job because that was just kind of a non-negotiable for me. Especially like with my mom, like my mom's a teacher. She's very like highly educated. But I was like, oh, I'll just have to work my whole life. And that was kind of just this thing that I put on myself was like, I'll just have to go and work for someone else and kind of hate what I do because that's what everyone does. Right. And then when I started doing it, I was like, nope, I can't do this. I'm going to change and make something else happen. But I mean, you know, like my number one thing that was always standing in my way, like was my mindset and it still is like, it's that feeling that always comes up of not being good enough and not feeling worthy. And like, no matter how much you heal that and try to work through it, like it's still going to pop back up. So I think that's, you know, I like to be transparent with everyone listening about that important yeah so many coaches show Mm -hmm. up and just you know have to feel like they have to highlight real (laughs) highlight real like put their best face forward when in reality it's okay if this is like our face some days that some days we don't feel worthy and and it, it normalizes it too because i remember looking at leaders and i used to think oh well you know they have it all together they feel good all the time. So then I, I could never see myself in a leader. So I yeah. think that's what you do so good, Juliana. And that's something I also try to do for my clients as well about showing, no, this is what a leader looks like. It's not someone who never has fear. It's not about someone who never has anxiety. It's about someone who shows up in spite of the fear, in spite of the anxiety, in spite of their doubts. It's not living without them. It's how do we show up in the face of them and to recognize, yeah, if you've been conditioned for 20 plus years that you're not good enough, of course, you're going to have some mindset blocks that show up and say that, hey, you're not good enough, but also there's still stories at the end of the day and they're painful stories and they can feel so real and we get to always choose to rewrite them. And sometimes the only thing we have, and I remember asking you this, it's like, can you just for the rest of the day believe that you're good enough? And can you just for the rest of the day, hold on to let go of the doubts that this isn't going to work out. And sometimes that's all that you have. That's a place worth starting. Yeah. It's a really powerful thing to like ask yourself and to just realize that like, everyone has shit that they're dealing with, even if they don't show it. But I do think that there is something to be said about resiliency and resourcefulness. To me, those are like the top two traits that you need to be successful. I don't know. What else would you add to that in terms of like having the mindset for success? Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Resiliency, resourcefulness. I mean, I said at the beginning of my journey, I'm like, there might be someone who's smarter than me. There might be someone more talented than me. Cause I experienced this in, you know, dance too, when I was younger, because there was these kids, you know, that could 
afford so many extra classes and all this stuff. And so I always kind of felt like the underdog in that. And it's like, you can have, yeah, you might be smarter, you can be prettier, you can be more talented, but I will outwork you. And that was something I always knew I could control with everything. And that's, you know, what I put in. And I think, so what's the philosophy behind that? It's understanding what you have control in, because if you're coming from a pain state, but a lot of people develop it as well, even if they haven't gone through trauma, a lot of people play the victim and there's no such thing as a successful victim. So if you want the key for success, it's what's the opposite of being a victim, it's being a creator. And that's mm-hmm. something that I look at with any heartbreak that I've had in my life, any struggle, it's, you know, it can always look like that apathy, that learned helplessness if we can't do anything. Um, and I think that probably goes a little bit in line with resiliency and resourcefulness but i think it's about always know like you are the creator and you get to choose to be a creator so next time you start feeling like a victim ask what can you create in this situation yeah i think that goes in line with like self-responsibility too yeah i see this so much you need self-responsibility that's probably my biggest pet peeve is when i see people who like are just trying to blame all of their external circumstances on everything else. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you get to control it. Like if you want to change something, change it. Like most things you can do something about. Mm-hmm. I always say to people, I'm like, your life is your fault. And that can hurt some people, but it's, I, to me, it's the most empowering statement ever because if something isn't your fault, right? We say that we're like, well, it's not my fault. Then you have no power to change it. And then you're just a victim. But if something is your fault, it's like, hallelujah, because that allows you to change something that allows you to fix something, allows you the power to go in and to make it what you want. And so I always say that your life is your fault. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. And, you know, that again, ties back into resourcefulness. Like, what can you make happen? If you want to achieve something, what can you do about it? I feel like because of the way that we grew up and like where we came from, we're really good at thinking outside of the box. Totally. But I feel like this is something that a lot of people struggle with is they see, you know, one way, like one path. I find this with money a lot, right? Like people trying to invest in something, they're like, oh, I don't have the money in my bank account right now. And I'm like, okay, do you know how many different ways there are to make money? And like my brain goes into overdrive with like, you know, oh, I can get a credit card. I can get a personal loan. Like I can drive for Uber and Lyft. I can deliver food. Like there's literally so many options. And I think that goes for anything. Like if you don't see option number one, okay, it's time to drop, like jump to option 15. You know, there's so many choices. Right. And that's something you, you have to be trained to do as you know, a kid, if you're growing up in poverty, especially like extreme poverty, it's like, okay, there's no food at home. Now what? Um, you know, that was me in college. It's like, okay, I don't, I can't afford food. Okay. We're stealing it from the dining hall. And that might sound, you know, extreme, but it teach, it taught me how to be resourceful. It's like, okay, I don't have something now let's go and get it. And it's, been such a critical skill in my business now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not feeling anymore, but it has taught me to be like, okay, this isn't working. Okay. So now what I'm going to do. And at one point there was very high stakes. So it was very much like live or die. And I've really kept that mentality. Now it's like, I, I always have to find a way there, there has to be a way, but that's a great thing that I've learned is even no matter how much I've been in pain, I was never stuck. And the only times 
I felt stuck. It, it was just that perception because I look at where I'm at now and I am on the other side and I can see even more clearly all the ways I could have gotten unstuck sooner. Um, so that's not to say I didn't sit in it. That's not to say I didn't, you know, mess up and, you know, create bad choices for myself as well. And I am here as a leader. And so I hope that I can show you guys that it is possible. There's always an option. You're never stuck in anything that you're going through, but you have to be the one to choose to see it. And there are people who have done more with a lot less. Yes, for sure. I think like going back to the topic of being stuck, I feel like when I'm stuck, I'm not really stuck, but it's trying to break me out of my comfort zone. At least I find that a lot of the time. Like a lot of the time I can see the solution, but there's like a part of me that's not ready to implement it yet. Yeah. Like I'm always very aware of this because my brain is trained to see all the different solutions. But, you know, I feel like sometimes we get so stuck in our comfort zones because if we're comfortable enough, then we're not uncomfortable enough to create a change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, complacency can be really, really tough because usually at rock bottom, you know that you have to change. Uh, but during the being comfortable, you don't always realize that you have to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is definitely something you'll probably run into. So if you're at the rock bottom, embrace that because a big change is coming. If you're feeling like you're meant for more, you're feeling a little complacent see where else you can stretch and get back into the uncomfortable and know it's not to hurt or it doesn't have to be as painful as the rock bottom, but it's okay to feel that, that place of uncomfortability because that's where we grow. Yeah. I know like I like to set new energetic minimums for myself, Mm -hmm. whether that's like with money or something else. So I don't want to call that like my new rock bottom because it's not. Yeah. But it's like, I make it so that anything below that is like so uncomfortable for me that I'm like, okay, what can I do to change this? Right. Yeah. I know. I call it as like your thermostat, like where you set energetically or just in your life, business results, money results, where, where is your thermostat set at? And then we always just want to, can always raise the thermostat. Yeah. So let's explain that because I feel like if they don't know what we're talking about, it might not make sense. (laughs) Do you want to explain your version of it? Sure. Yeah. So I guess what you're an energetic match for or your financial thermostat, it's pretty much like look at what you have right now. And, you know, most people find that their bank account is always at a certain number. Some people's it's 5,000. They might have 5,000 in savings and it seems like no matter what they do, they always have 5,000 in savings. If more money comes in, they have 5,000. If money, a lot of money goes out, they'll end up back at 5,000. Some people's though, is like an extra 1000. Some of it's an extra hundred dollars. Some people's are at zero and some people's are even at negative. So it's like, no matter what they do, this is what I lived in, in poverty. It was like, no matter what, no matter if we got a tax return, no matter what, you know, if a new job happened with a pay raise, no matter what happened, it would always go back to zero, if not negative. So that's your financial thermostat in the spiritual world, which Julian, you'll probably be better explaining that piece of it, but it's very much like that's what we allow energetically into our lives. So how I teach my clients, you want to look at where are you at energetically? And then you want to start, first of all, you just start by setting that intention of knowing where you're at and knowing that to raise it because then your actions are going to start to fall in line with that because 
you're doing these actions subconsciously of spending more money or saving more money. You almost have this like built in like a thermostat when, you know, it gets the window gets left open, the thermostat will kick on when, you know, it's too stuffy, the air will kick on. So it's always trying to like level out to that homeostasis point. And so we want yeah. to that homeostasis point. Yeah. I like the fact that you talked about action too, because it is like taking action, right? Like if I find myself below like my energetic minimum or like my thermostat, then I'm like, okay, like I logically think about it. Like what can I do right now mm-hmm. to bring this back up? And I've been trying to kind of put this in because like, you don't have to just use it for money. I've been trying to do it like with my health and my weight too. Like, right. okay. No, like, <laughs> most people find that they're at like a certain weight. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, gotta like really start eating better now or gotta like do the exercise now because I am, you know, above my maximum, I guess is what it would be. It's kind of opposite, but no, that's a perfect way. And it comes down to our actions because when we have like, it's it's your standards too. When we have a standard of being like X amount of weight, when we pass that, we're like, okay, yeah, now I need to eat clean. Now I need to exercise. But if you're, you know, had a a lower standard, like be like, well, now it's this weight Then that those like saving mechanisms would have kicked in a lot sooner. It's the same. Mm -hmm. So it is about like raising your standards for what you allow for your life. Because some people's standards, like my standard for how much I have in savings is like insane, um, especially where I came from. And, but I know a lot of friends who, yeah, they're at like, as long as they have money to pay the bills, they're fine. That was something growing up. I'm like, absolutely not. Like, big, big old savings account. Um, and that's just, but that's my standard for myself. And I do like, I'll, I'll feel it. it's like that kick in of like the heater will kick in if I drop below it and I'm like, okay. And I feel myself like picking it back up. So you want to think about it. The good way is to think about it before it happens and to be like, okay, well, what if I raised it? Um, or what if I already had that lower weight? So I wouldn't like go too much over, um, and it all evens out. Yeah. It does. And it's just really like training yourself to do that. Mm-hmm. That's the most important part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And to be intentional about it and to know that you can have better because people take both of those situations, um, like especially with money and they just assume because they're always living paycheck to paycheck that they always have to live paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. I find this a lot with people who are like on salary too. I think as entrepreneurs, like we kind of know for the most part that we determine our income. Yeah. Well, there's like, but there's super interesting stuff too about people winning the lottery. So it's like the mm-hmm. best with financial thermostats, people who win the lottery, you know, they could win hundreds of thousands of dollars. They lose it all. They lose it all. They go right back to it because they're not an energetic match for it. Their financial thermostat is already set to nothing. So it's, they're all going to blow it. Um, yeah. Some entrepreneurs, yeah, I think are good, but I also see it happen so much with entrepreneurs, but it comes in the form of self-sabotage. Yes, that's so, true. Yeah. yeah. So even if they have a high income month, they'll find that their next income month is super, super low and they can't really figure out why. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, I mean, I've experienced this. It's yeah, kind of like I, that feeling I, of like, oh, is this a fluke? And then yeah. you like get all in your head and then your energy's all fucked up. Or you're like, like, oh, I get a lot of money, so I don't really need to like do any follow-ups today. And then it just, yeah. On versus if you're had a higher energetic minimum instead of making a $10,000 month, yours was at a $20,000 or $30,000 a month. You'd be like, no, I do still need to make it. Yeah, I made $10,000, but my energetic minimum is $20,000. So I'm going to keep signing clients. Yeah. So it's all just individual choices and figuring out what works best. But mm-hmm. 
and understanding what you want and knowing that you can have exactly what you want. Yeah, always. Like you control, coming back to that like resourcefulness, like you control your life, you control your money. There's always a million different options with anything and it just really requires thinking outside of the box. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's a good note to leave it on. But if you want to tell the people where they can find you, I'll also put it in the show notes. But Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm always, you guys, there's usually always a way if any of this sparked your interest to be able to work with me. I have courses, group programs, one-on-ones. But the best way to find me uh, is inside of my Facebook group. It's called Intentional CEO. And that's a free Facebook group. I'm always running trainings, um, always doing topics about this, about business strategy, deeper into the psychology mastery side as well. So that's a great place. You can find me at my website, which is www.julietice.com. Or my Instagram is at underscore Julie Tice. And I like to go on there too and do stories and tell, um, I call it like client conversations. So you can usually get some coaching for me also in my Instagram stories. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much, Julie. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Becoming Magnetic. If you loved this content, I would love it if you'd leave a review on iTunes so more people can find this podcast and start to become their most magnetic selves. If you aren't already hanging out with me on social media, come follow me on Instagram at Juliana Frisoli and join my Facebook group, Magnetic Women Entrepreneurs, to soak up some extra wisdom and truth about business and empowerment.